Hello, my rebels. Today, I take you through a very strange story. It's a battle of who's telling the truth. A reporter named David Aiken, very long-standing reporter, very media party, real insider. He's part of that anti-conservative union called Unifor that's running those attack ads. He's really a man of the establishment. David Aiken says that Justin Trudeau's bus simply was never blocked by indigenous protesters. That's one side of the debate. The other side is a citizen journalist from Rebel News named Mocha Bazirgan, who claims, no, he was blocked for half an hour, and Mocha's got the video proof of it. So why would David Aiken deny it? Oh boy, I'll take you through it. I'll show you what David Aiken says, but I'll also show you Mocha's video. You be the judge. Is David Aiken the journalist he claims he is? Oh, I used to know David used to work with him. I'll show you both David's case and Mocha's, and I'll let you decide. That's ahead, but let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. You know, that's the video version of this. And today's story, really, the proof is the video, isn't it? I want you to see the proof with your own eyes. And you tell me, was that bus blocked for half an hour? Yeah, I think you, you can hear it, but you'll, if you had the video, you'd see the proof of it. Just go to Rebel News Plus. By the way, it's normally eight bucks a month, but for the course of the election, we're letting people subscribe for free with the promo code election. And our hope is that you like it so much that you keep subscribing after the election for eight bucks a month. All right, here's today's report. Tonight, why didn't the mainstream media report it when Aboriginal protesters blocked Trudeau's campaign bus? It's August 23rd, and this is the answer to that show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. We have 17 rebel news journalists in Canada. For comparison, Maclean's magazine, Canada's oldest news magazine, has a grand total of 14 staff for the whole company. It's a shadow of its former self. I remember them when they really were the news magazine of record, when they were huge and interesting. And you'd actually hear people talking about Maclean's news stories. Um, it really had a seat at the table of the national conversation. They had a million readers a week at their height. I just looked at their advertising rate card today, and their circulation, they claim, is barely 100,000. And I bet most of that is freebies to doctors' waiting rooms. I mean, when was the last time you heard anyone bring up a story that they read about in McLean? I'm not being mean to them. I suppose I wish everyone success. But they're not really reporters anymore. They're government reporters, which isn't really a thing. It would be like the difference between a, a punk rock band and a government punk rock band. You really can't be a punk rock band and also work for the government. Same with reporters. The more money they take from Trudeau, the less read, uh, the less readers uh, trust them. Uh, so the more money they need from Trudeau and the less readers trust them, and the cycle repeats itself eventually, uh, they'll get all their money from Trudeau and he will be their only reader. I think we're the opposite. We don't take a dime from Trudeau. Trudeau's constantly trying to block us or censor us. Trudeau constantly has his police push our reporters out of the way. Physically, 
but it just makes people want to hear what we say all the more, I think. I mean, aren't you curious what questions are so deadly that Trudeau not only hides from them, he sends police out to block us from asking them? I, I shouldn't say that it's only the liberals, the NDP and even Aaron O'Toole's conservatives send the police out to block us too. Here are the Tories calling the local cops on David Menzies. We've shown you this clip before. And here's something new. The RCMP telling our reporter Mocha Bazirgan that he doesn't, doesn't have to leave an NDP event. He just can't ask questions. Hang on. Is that within a policeman's power to do? If our reporter was trespassing, I would understand the legal power to kick him out. That's a, that's a law thing. If he was a physical security threat, which of course he isn't, I would understand protecting public safety. That's a law thing. That's a police thing. But literally saying you can be here, but you just can't ask questions. That's not a law thing. Mr. Singh, Mr. Singh, visible minorities have a much um, lower um, rate of getting vaccinated. Are you going to convince them or are you going to coerce them? Isn't that a form of, isn't vaccine passport a form of systemic racism? We'll, we'll convince them. You will convince them? Are you an RCMP officer? Um, yes. Okay, um, I was told that I'm welcome to stay here. Yeah, and you're, told, you're also told you're not allowed to ask a question. I, that's why I didn't line up. What do you, yeah. So, yeah, Whether it's lockdowns or vaccine passports or open borders immigration or censorship, I really don't see a lot of difference between the three main parties. Do you? You'd be surprised how many rebel viewers these days are young people alienated from political insiders altogether. Working class people who see that the lockdowns only affected them not the Zoom class or government union. Women, moms, health conscious people worried about taking new medicines that haven't been fully tested yet. You'd be surprised what our average viewer looks like today as opposed to just two years ago. I don't even think it's right when you're left wing. I mean, if you're a pregnant mom worried about the baby inside you and you feel healthy and you know that COVID really is a risk mainly to those who are really old and sick, are you really right wing to not want a forced vaccination shot? Or is that left wing? I think the fault line these days is insiders versus outsiders. Those profiting from the misery, Jeff Bezos, just to name one, and those sentenced to the miserable to, to be miserable. Those ruling us versus those of us who have to live under the rules. I think that's the divide. I mean, when Barack Obama had his big birthday bash a couple of weeks ago, no masks, no social distancing, or this video I just saw yesterday, it's a fundraising dinner in uh, Napa Valley for Nancy Pelosi. No social distancing, no masks for the rich donors, but masks on the poor servants, mind you. Largely minorities, I notice. That's the divide. In that last one, the servants who are being forced to wear masks, forced to get a jab to keep their jobs, that's what rebel viewers are in 2021. I haven't done a demographic analysis of the 2200 plus Canadians we're helping fight the fines. We simply don't collect information from people like their age or their religion or their race or anything like that. We just, we don't ask. We help everyone regardless. But from the 200 or so that we've interviewed and done videos about, I can see that they're often young and often poor. And just from the names, I see that we're helping a lot of people who are either immigrants themselves or their children are immigrants. If you help 2,200 families, 
through one of the worst crises of their lives, a $1,000 or $5,000 ticket, they're going to tell their friends about it, you know. I know that because I can't go for a walk without someone coming up to me and telling me they're either personally a client or they know someone who is. That's our side of this divide. We're with the people. Those are our viewers. So you're probably thinking, okay, Ezra, thanks for all the stuff. Congratulations. But can we have the news now? Okay, sure. But it's relevant what I just said because we are not allowed on the campaign buses or the campaign planes. You know, the, the candidates rent these big planes and buses for the campaign. They put a huge decal on them. Their campaign staff are on one bus typically and reporters are on another bus and they travel around together typically. They won't let us on the media bus. So we're not on the inside. It's like when we go to United Nations conventions, they won't let us in the conventions anymore. But that's okay. We report from the outside and we always have more interesting news than when we were on the inside. Because when you're on the inside of the UN convention, they just don't let you putter around on your own. That's what got us kicked out, asking an unapproved question. Here's that question, by the way, just to remind you, this is what got us banned from the UN a few years ago. This is what made Catherine McKenna request the United Nations never let us in again. Take a look. Hi, I'm Hi. Sheila. Nice Hi. to meet you. I'm Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Rachel, you got a card? Yeah. Great. Sorry. And for which organization? No, sorry. We're actually not available. We're on our way to another meeting. Well, he just agreed to speak to us. But he just agreed to speak to us. Why are you not speaking to us? Is it just us in particular? Is it just us in particular that you don't want to speak to? Yeah, so if you ask a mildly tough question, of anyone in power, you're thrown out forever. But more than that, if you're, if you're just there on the inside of one of these big government conventions, you will be spoon-fed official talking points, press releases, official speeches, and then you'll be groomed by countless spin doctors. You'll be massaged and managed and pampered. Same with the campaign tour buses. They're not actually for the purposes of, of the news media. They're for the purposes of the political parties a hothouse where they can really go to work on the reporters to propagandize them, to spin them. So we're not allowed on these media buses, which means we're often pushed out of press conferences. But as I showed you with that UN clip of Sheila, the moment we ask a tough question, we'd be kicked out anyways. I mean, here's the leader of the Bloc Québécois simply refusing to answer a great question from our reporter in Quebec, Alexa Lavoie, because she's with a rebel with the rebel and really because she's asking a question he doesn't like. Take a listen. Voyez sincèrement, désolé madame, parce que bien que votre question apparaisse tout à fait raisonnable, je maintiens la politique de ne pas répondre aux questions de Rebel News. So I went to the headquarters of Medicago because today the leader of the Bloc Québécois, Yves-François Blanchet, went there to discuss about the drug production and research in Quebec. So let's see if he will want to answer to my question. Nous allons passer à la dernière question en présence avec Rebel News. Oui, euh, bonjour, mon nom c'est Alexa pour euh, Rebel News. En fait, ma question aujourd'hui c'est de savoir euh, votre position par rapport euh, au passeport vaccinal au niveau fédéral mais aussi provincial parce qu'on sait très bien qu'au Québec la mesure euh, devrait être en place euh, d'ici le 1er septembre et que euh, les droits de certaines personnes vont être brimés au niveau euh, des euh, 
mesure ben, on fait des, des, des emplacements et des établissements plaisir pour certaines personnes. Et aussi au niveau fédéral, on, on sait que au niveau des transports aériens et au niveau des trains, ce droit aussi va être brimé. Qu est qui, quelle est votre position par rapport à ça? Vous m'envoyez sincèrement, désolé madame, parce que bien que votre question apparaisse tout à fait raisonnable, je maintiens la politique de ne pas répondre aux questions de Rebel News. Et quelle est votre... En suivi? Pardon? En suivi? Ben, ça va être la même réponse, en suivi. Ouais. En suivi? Alors, ben, en fait, moi, je m'intéressais aussi à savoir euh, quelle était votre position par rapport euh, au niveau libéral euh, d'encourager euh, la censure de l'Internet. Encore une fois, je dois à regret euh, vous indiquer que je continue à ne pas répondre aux questions de Rebel News. Yeah, so basically he's saying, I'm not going to talk to you because I disagree with you. And what I hear from that, and I think what millions of Quebecers heard from that is, if you disagree with me, if I ever became powerful, I would not represent you in Canada. You're a non-person to me, and I don't feel like I have to explain myself. He's deeply undemocratic. So here's my story today, and here's why I give you a 10-minute preamble about all this. So one of our young reporters, I mentioned him a moment ago, he's 22, Mocha Bazirgan, he's originally from Turkey, and he was interrogated at a police station twice in Turkey as a teenager because he made YouTube videos that criticized the authoritarian regime in Turkey. So he prefers Canada's freedom, but he knows tyranny when he sees it. Can you imagine being a kid interrogated for your YouTube video at a police station? So he goes to Victoria, BC for us to meet up with Trudeau. Now, so did a bunch of other journalists, but they were in Trudeau's media bus. Mocha obviously was not. We flew him there on his own. We paid for his flight ourselves. So you've got a bunch of journalists on the media bus, and you've got Mocha, not on any bus, but they he, he finds them and they meet up. But would you look at this? There are protesters there too, a bunch of them. Um, I didn't track all of them. I think there's some anti-lockdown, anti-vax protesters, but also environmentalist protesters, and also indigenous protesters, you can agree or disagree with them, but it's a democracy. And frankly, no one's been able to interact with the ruling class directly in 18 months since the ruling class has been in hiding, using the lockdown as an excuse. Parliament hasn't really been sitting, etc. Now, I'm going to play a few minutes of the protest for you. What they say isn't really the pro purpose of me showing you this clip. The purpose is to show you that it was a protest and that it blocked Trudeau's bus. Now, it went on for half an hour. I will not show you all of that, but Mocha was there for the whole thing. And actually, online, he has um, sort of a, a, a sped-up version of this to show how long it was. Um, by the way, when Mocha got there, he was so interested in this blockade, he phoned me to tell me what was going on. He, he, not what Trudeau said or what the protesters said. The fact that the bus was blocked, he thought that was interesting. I'm glad he phoned me. Here, just watch for a bit. Justin Trudeau's tour bus was blockaded by indigenous rights protesters for half an hour. Nothing on me. Not gonna hurt him. Just want to be acknowledged. I want to be heard. And he was evacuated from the bus by the RCMP. Justin Trudeau does not give a f about indigenous people. Justin, why don't you engage with the protesters? That was on my reserve, where mm -hmm. he laid those flowers mm -hmm. and that teddy bear. Mm -hmm. He did that for a photo op to people. Mm -hmm. From my reserve, are uncomfortable. Did you even saw this on the telly? No, because the media did not want you to see it. But so Mocha told me about the blockade when it happened. He phoned me. Uh, he filmed a ton of it. He interviewed the protesters, the left wingers and the right wingers. Even though he said their comments weren't particularly interesting, but what was interesting to him and to me 
was that Trudeau's bus was paralyzed because they were indigenous and eco-protesters, two groups that Trudeau doesn't like to tangle with. I mean, that's part of his image, right? <laughs> Remember the last time he tangled with an indigenous protest? Remember this one? That we invest in the middle class and in people working hard to join it. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your donation tonight. I really appreciate the uh, donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. And, and as we know... Yeah, they didn't go too well. So instead of having his armed guards push the protesters away, like they pushed away our reporter, Drea Humphrey, Trudeau just killed time for 30 minutes. Did other things. He improvised, like in the theater when the next act isn't ready so the MC does a song and a dance to keep the crowd entertained um, he killed time and they finally left so Mocha had the story of the protest the blockade and we put up a tweet about it with a short video it was news indigenous protesters blocking Trudeau in BC I think that's news don't you and then a few days later a left-wing foreign-funded eco group called Dogwood tweeted basically the same thing, but from their point of view. That's fine. Fair enough, it did happen. Like I say, there were protesters from the left and from the right. But then David Aiken, who is a Unifor journalist for Global News, whose own union dues go to run ads attacking the conservatives, he weighed in. He saw that Dogwood tweet and he said that it was a lie. And he said that left-wing and right-wing journalists lie. It's just him and the rest of the insider media who are the honest ones, don't listen to citizen journalists. Here's what he said. You think right-wing news outlets stretch the truth? How about this whopper from a left-wing advocacy group? Complete fake news. I was there. No helicopters were harmed during Trudeau's stop in Elizabeth May's riding. Fake news, eh? Here's what Dogwood said in reply to Aiken. He said, we were just going off video from the Justin Canada YouTube channel and social media updates from people in from the bus. What did you observe? And Aiken said, no helicopter, for one thing, and a completely typical Trudeau event. Bus showed up, parked where it was supposed to, lots of RCMP around, a handful of people around the bus yelling about this and that. PM left the bus, late as usual. PM got on the bus, late as usual, normal. Well, I don't know about the helicopter thing, but I do know the bus was blocked and could not leave. We showed you that. But Aiken said, in fact, it was one of the more sedate PM events during the week. I traveled with him. His access to or from the nursing home in Sanus was never obstructed. Well, I don't think anyone said he couldn't get out of the nursing home. They said his bus was blocked. Aiken says his bus was not blocked ever at any event I attended in the last week. Well, that's pretty categorical. Is David Aiken telling the truth? Was Trudeau's boss never blocked ever? My friend Mocha was standing right there. He, he thought it was so newsworthy that the bus was blocked. He phoned me in real time to tell me. He filmed it. You can see it. He spoke to the blockaders. You can see that too. But David Aiken says it never happened. And worse, he says anyone who claims it is just a right-wing fake news site or a left-wing fake news site. What's going on here? Is, is David Aiken a full-out liar? 
I don't think so. I, I know David a little bit, or at least I used to. He, he worked uh, with me at Sun News. Like most journalists, his natural inclination is to tilt to the left, or really to tilt towards power, let's be more honest. Um, he hasn't lifted a finger to oppose his own union, using his own union dues to attack conservatives, so that tells you something about him. But like I say, he's, he's the usual center-left establishment man who cares about maintaining his contact with power. But I don't think he'd lie so brazenly. I, I know him enough to know he's not a liar. So what happened? Why did he say that then? I think I know. I think that the liberals, when they saw that their, their bus was blocked, they improvised. They said they were having so much fun at the event that they were going to extend the visit by half an hour. Really? And they herded the media, they managed the media, they massaged the media, they kept the media away from the blockade until the blockaders were done. In fact, that's what Aiken basically says. But he doesn't realize it was to trick him. He says, Trudeau arrived on time at the LTC long-term care home, spent extra time visiting seniors because he really cares what they have to say. He left late because of that. And he responds to someone, Vitor, you've been on buses with media and you must surely know that ambitious reporters would hardly bury such a story. Come on, man. So David Aiken says Justin Trudeau left late because Justin Trudeau just was so interested what these seniors said at the LTC, the long-term care home. That's why. Trudeau was just spending so much time with the seniors, and you know that we'd never bury a story otherwise. Yeah, no, no, he, um, he wasn't with the seniors. That was a lie from Trudeau's spin doctors to the journalists. He was on the bus. Mocha saw him. He was rattled. His team of professional liars made the lie, told it to the journalists, who believed it. They'll believe anything and repeat it, won't they? I mean, put yourself in David Aiken's shoes. Who would you believe if you were David Aiken? The PM's communication staff, who've been so nice to you, and they just gave you such a lovely lunch, and they were so helpful with your last story, and, and they gave you such nice compliments about your last report. Wouldn't you believe them? Or would you really believe the right-wing and left-wing citizen journalists with an axe to grind? David Aiken knows which team he's on. He's on team establishment, team power, team insider. He's on the bus, the media bus, not the Trudeau bus. And the media bus was told a lie, and they believed it. I really don't blame David Aiken, my old friend, for believing a lie. And he should probably be more skeptical or more curious. But I do blame him for believing the lie so deeply that when other outsiders prove with videotape that it was a lie, that Trudeau's bus really was blocked, instead of changing his mind or changing his story, he lashes out, calls us fake, calls us lies and shows that indeed he is a uniform man. He's an insider. And he'd rather promote a Trudeau lie than tell the truth that was first reported by outsider citizen journalists like us. <laughs> That's too bad. Stay with us for more from our citizen
Welcome back. You know, we've got 17 reporters uh, covering the election. Now, some of those people are part-time editors, part-time reporters, but I'm talking about 17 folks who occasionally appear on camera and some who appear on camera every day. One guy who's on camera every day is our Calgary reporter, Adam Sos, who's been so busy covering the election in southern Alberta. He joins us now via Skype from Calgary. Adam, great to see you again. Great. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's get into pleasure. Let's talk about uh, some of the things you've covered lately. Derek Sloan, one of our favorite guys, he ran for mm -hmm. the Conservative Party leadership. He didn't win. He was later kicked out under such uh, absurd pretext by Aaron O'Toole and um, has decided to run, but not in his old riding in Ontario. He's decided to run as an independent, I think. Uh, right. in Alberta. You were there. Tell me a little bit about what you saw there. Yeah, so we've attended a number of events, and I think part of the decision is he's been able to draw very large crowds in uh, these parts of Alberta, particularly in these rural communities. So we've seen numerous events with several hundred people attending. And just last week, he held an event. He tends to do them at curling halls because they're the only things that can handle the kind of capacity he has. Um, they're estimating about 700 or more people attended a Derek Sloan announcement. So this is someone who's running as an independent. He was working on getting his party registered, but it won't won't be ready in time for the election. So in order to run, he had to run as an independent. But in response to the strong support that he's received in this community, he has decided that that's where he's going to be running in Banff Airdrie. He also made the particular point that he didn't want to run against someone who was maybe doing a good job, but they weren't with the right party or someone who espoused some of his values. He was targeting a, a Conservative Party insider, Blake Richards, who is the party whip, because he wanted to make a point and take on someone who is emblematic of the entitlement of the Aaron O'Toole conservatives. Yeah. Hey, here's a clip from uh, uh, some recent coverage you did of uh, Derek Sloan in Alberta. Take a look. Listen, it's time, for, it's time to take this country back and this riding is going to be a litmus test of whether a person who is loved and respected by the people can win over a color, over a party. Let's stand up Canada because right now in Banff Airdrie, all eyes are going to be on us. Do not let democracy die. Freedom fighters from across Alberta come and join us. Let's show the Conservatives, let's show the establishment that we can win when the people stand up and have their say. Have somebody who has Conservative values and thoughts and processes that care about the people who live in this city, this our province, like this is ridiculous. No one hears our voice and I'm excited that we're going to have somebody who is going to be listening. So you were, you were saying you were approached by someone from CBC and what did you tell them? I told them that I don't want to talk to you. And what was your reasoning? Well, he asked me, he said, why don't you want to talk to me? And I said, because you're CBC. He said, uh, uh, yeah, but you pay for it. And I said, well, that's why I don't want to talk to you. Now, um, I don't know that riding very closely, Adam. I mean, I, I know it from being a tourist and, and loving Banff and, and those parts. But mm -hmm. um, that's pretty, it's pretty safe conservative country. I mean. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time that went to a party other than the Conservatives. I don't know, frankly, if it ever has. Um, so is Derek Sloan's strategy just to get the biggest vote he can? Does he actually think he can win? I would have. Does he want to be a spoiler? I, I might have thought he would have run against a red Tory in downtown Calgary, Michelle Rempel-Gardner, who, you know, has really gone woke on so many subjects. Mm -hmm. um, 
like, I mean, he could be a spoiler there. What, what's the strategy? I mean, does he actually think he can push through in the first place? I mean, I, I think he does, actually. And I don't think he's a novelty politician or someone doing this to build their name or to make a point. He's someone who wants to win. And given the short notice and given the lack of an opportunity to actually start his party and get rolling, he looked at the support he was receiving in this community and said, this is really something. If we look at the 2019 election, over 70% of the vote, 72 roughly, went to the Conservatives. Um, beyond that, we saw the Alberta uh, liberals and the NDP take the next portion of the vote. And then a People's Party candidate actually came in fourth place with about 4% of the vote. She is running again, but we have an interesting uh, situation where we have a very charismatic uh, Maverick Party candidate who has joined uh, th this election and is and is going to take part in it. So he may pull some votes. Maxime Bernier will be in this constituency next week with the People's Party candidate. That may pull some votes. And Derek Sloan will certainly pull some votes from the Conservatives. So is there enough there to make a hole for Derek Sloan to take that lead? Is it probable? No. But is it impossible? Certainly not. Many would have suggested that an Ontario MP gathering 700 people on a weeknight to make an announcement was an impossibility as well, but he pulled that off. Well, I sure like Derek Sloan. I, I like his style. I like his policy ideas. I dislike how he was defenestrated from the party. I think it shows thin skin on the part of Aaron O'Toole. I think a small tent. I think a bullying side of O'Toole um, that's very unseemly. Uh, so I do wish Derek Sloan well. I just wonder, I mean, well, time will tell if choosing this and running was a smart one. And I think that it does speak to the fact that he was kicked out of that party. We're seeing with this short election, whether it be Justin Trudeau or Aaron O'Toole, they're not actually campaigning. They're having these secret events with 50 people invited, no questions are allowed. They're running on a one-month platform of let's not screw up and hopefully we can get through the debates. You see people like Maxime Bernier and Derek Sloan saying, no, we're going to let people know we're having these events and everyone will come out. So is there that, that possibility that that sort of populist uh, mentality may garner some people over who are sick of lukewarm politicians? Hmm. Well, it's it certainly feels volatile right now, more so than I thought it might. Now, um, Justin Trudeau doesn't spend a lot of time in Alberta. That That is a, a dead place to him. I'm not saying he doesn't have a chance to pick up a seat or two in Edmonton or even theoretically one in Calgary itself. But he doesn't like Alberta. He doesn't like Albertans. He doesn't like the oil and gas industry. Um, he prefers slobbering you know, partisans in Montreal, for example. But he did recently go to Calgary, and I just have to chuckle because there is no social distancing or mask rules in, in Alberta. Those have all been lifted. So there are no pandemic rules. But to mask, to cover the fact that he has very tepid support, he implemented social distancing rules at his Calgary rally, which he has not done in other places. So he's had rallies in Ontario, in Quebec, where it's jammed, where he doesn't even pretend to socially distance. But in Calgary, the one place that doesn't have these rules, everyone had to be in their zone of distancing. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a minute about that, and then we'll show a clip of when you went to such a thing. I mean, it, it was comedic. First of all, they were hiding the event. They didn't want anyone to know. We almost felt like the paparazzi trying to figure out where this event was. And you'd think as a politician, you'd want people to know where your events are. We get there, it's a spectacle. Only people with the pre-approved red bands get to go in. And they literally had chalk circles drawn on the floor. And you were only allowed to get to, to go into your little cohort on a chalk circle. Of course, when Justin Trudeau was shaking hands, the circles went away. And when he went back to his bus, 
Everyone absolutely rushed together and piled on. But like we said, there was maybe 70 to 100 people there. They tried to keep this event secret, and there was still probably 20 counter-protesters at Uh this event. So there's certainly a lack of support. And uh, even trying to keep people away, nearly 20% of the people in attendance were counter-protesters who found their way to the event. Funny, when you talk about the circles, it reminds me of these foolish circles that they made in the park in Toronto, uh, one of the most popular outdoor parks in the city, Trinity Bellwoods. They had these foolish circles. It was so embarrassing. But, of course, the real comparison is Joe Biden, who had, mm-hmm. I think, a rally of like less than 10 people, and he had the circles there to cover it up. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if some Biden campaign advisors were working for Trudeau, too. So um, I think in some ways... Southern Alberta is one of the most boring places during an election because everyone sort of knows how it's going to go, but maybe not in that one riding, maybe not in that riding. I still think I'd give it to the Conservatives. Just the odds of an upset there seem pretty long to me, but you never know. It could happen. It's the one we're going to be watching most closely, and we've reached out to all the candidates. Like I said, Maxime will be here next week. We're certainly going to be there to cover that. So I think it's going to be one of the ones to watch across Alberta for sure. Right on. Well, listen, I know you'll be out covering it along with our uh, videographer, K2. we got a great team up in Edmonton led by Sheila, of course, and we have reporters across this country, Dre and Matt out there in Vancouver, all the way east to Alexa Lavoie in Quebec, who's doing a great job. I'm very excited about our coverage, and thanks so much for being out and about in Alberta for us. My pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. There you have it. Adam Sows, stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. You know, we're growing. We had two new teammates join our team here at our head office and we're hiring. If you're curious, go to rebelnews.com slash careers. I think we're looking for seven or eight more positions. I want to tell you, we just put up a video on the weekend from a new reporter in Brisbane, which is in the state of Queensland in Australia. Our Australian audience is growing very quickly. They're very great crowd funders. They're helping us cover our bills there. But mainly Australia is under one of the worst lockdowns in the world. And you see this freedom movement coming up from the grassroots. And Avi Amini's been doing a great job as a reporter in the city of Melbourne. But I want to show you a video I think is great. This is the very first video by our new ally in Brisbane. And there's this one beautiful moment I want you to watch. It's only five minutes long where she says, I can't even believe a year ago I was selling clothing in a retail store and now I'm a reporter. It's actually very touching and she's doing a great job. Wouldn't you agree? I hope we have a lot more videos from her. So let me say goodbye to you now, but let me leave you with a inspiring and hopeful and professional report by our new woman on the ground in Brisbane, Australia. Take a look. Tim Sawyer for Rebel News, reporting for the first time in Brisbane, Australia. On the weekend, thousands marched for their freedom in Brisbane CBD, but unfortunately, the mainstream media painted this event as something evil. We're here to tell you the other side of the story. Watch the report, but we need your support, so please go to brisbanereporters.com. We are one! Far out, that's it. Ten more noise. We are one! They, uh, they described it on Channel 9 last time, they described the rally in general as kids, dogs and confusion. I can't believe how-
how many kids are here today. I mean, I feel like I'm a warrior. I'm in my mid-twenties, but you've literally got kids here starting at age two, fighting for their freedom, along with their brothers, sisters, friends, and family. So I really have to give it to them more than me. isn't going to win the war, okay? Information like this, to protect the people, is going to make a big difference. <laughs> also, why are you guys all here today? To protect our future. Yeah. Yeah. For freedom, For and freedom, our kids, our and rights. our choices. Yeah. So what do you guys think of all the lockdowns? I like our human rights, but it's just destroying our economy, it's breaking down small businesses, um, only businesses that are, say, government-funded or whatever. Clearly it's not working for a lot of people, a lot of businesses and livelihoods are getting affected. Hopefully, you know, we're waking up everybody around us, I mean, stopping traffic and... Yeah. Go guys, power to Australia. We've got drums, we've got music, we've got chants. I feel like I'm at a concert right now, not a rally for freedom. This is not an attack on these guys as individuals. Abby, how's it going, bro? Come on, man. We are one. We are one. We are one. We're not fools. We are grandmothers. We are everyday people. This is what you cause people to do just to live. Just to live, for goodness sake. TV, other news stations just don't show what really happens, so it's great that you guys are up here. I believe we've shut down the whole city. We've got police on bikes, in vans, we've literally got people in bars filming us on their mobile phones. I think we're going to fill up every platform tonight. There's an emotion, emotion, which is just so moved, this is Rebel News. I was working in a clothes shop last year and now I'm reporting the news. Momentum's on our side. Something that just shows that we're all human, we're all the same. And uh, it's really beautiful to see so many different kinds of people here of all just it's just it's I'm, I'm amazed, I'm impressed. Harvey is more When you've got children fighting for their rights, I mean I get emotional. I can't hide that on camera, so and no fear to stand up. They're the people that need to be here today. Plenty of people with their masks on, even though you can see how many people are walking here without their masks on. 
Uh, I've been do I did it in America last year, so uh, yeah, they don't wear nothing over there. There is a future for us, for humanity, and it's better than anything we can imagine, and it's, it's bigger than this. So how did I go on my first ever report? I had a lot of fun giving you the other side of the story from Brisbane, Australia. If you're willing and able, please donate to brisbanereporters.com so we can keep giving you the other side of the story. brisbanereporters.com, donate now.